Are you listening? Damn. Uh. On this episode of the Endurance Hour podcast, the Ironman World Championship for the first time leaves the Big Island and moves to St. George, Utah next year. How to adjust training when your event gets moved or delayed. Running long distance in the offseason and Sika Henry makes triathlon history. Welcome to the Endurance Hour podcast alongside Kona coach Wendy Mater. I'm Dave Erickson. A great show today, Wendy. A lot of great topics. I want to first begin by going into the T2 Endurance Group on Facebook, which is our closed group. You can um, request to join, and when you do, you'll be able to interact with all of us. But there's a great question in here. I thought this was kind of funny in a way. Jody uh, Farius, I think it's Farius, said, I know this is not important, but it's the journey and the achievement for me. But I've been thinking, is someone considered an Ironman if they've done half the distance, like a 70.3? I'm thinking probably no, but just wanted to ask. What's your thought, Coach? No. No. And and I've been in groups, triathlon groups on Facebook, who've had these discussions before. And people can get really mean discussing this topic. By definition, an Ironman distance triathlon is 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike, give or take a mile or two. I know Chattanooga is 116 mile bike, followed by 26.2 miles of running. That is the original Ironman distance race. And World Triathlon Corporation owns Ironman, the label, and they own 70.3. If you complete a 70.3, you've completed a half Ironman. If you completed 140.6, you've completed a full Ironman. At one of That's their simple. sanctioned events. Because there are also, there are 140.6s right. elsewhere. Right. There are 140.6 distances that are not World Triathlon Corporation. Now, having said that, I, I consider World Triathlon Corporation equals Ironman. So when I'm talking Ironman, I'm talking World Triathlon Corporation. When I'm talking World Triathlon Corporation, I'm talking Ironman. But if I'm talking about something like the Great Floridian, which is a 140.6 distance, that's not an Ironman because World Triathlon Corporation owns the label Ironman. Right. Well, my answer was no. And I decided I'm not going to give her a short answer to sound you know, like a jerk, but, and I kind of jokingly said, and doing two 70.3s does not equal Ironman status either with a smiley face. Cause you know, you, people have done a lot of number of 70.3s, but those are just, you know, one time if you did them back to back same day, eh, anyways, um, Jay Hardy responded to my comment and also the initial one. Uh, My eldest son did a full in 2012, motivated me and challenged me to take up triathlon, which I did in 2018. In 2019, I completed the Ironman Atlantic City 70.3. My son said, quote, congratulations, dad. You are now half an Ironman, unquote. Last Sunday, I completed Ironman's Chattanooga. He put 144.6, because you said that about the bike distance, and my same son said, congratulations, Dad. Welcome to the club. You are an Ironman. I love it. And I want to say, Jay Hardy, I coached him for two years. He was supposed to do, I think it was Ironman Maryland in 2020. And that was canceled because of that pandemic. So he chose to defer to Ironman Chattanooga. And he, congratulations to him. He executed 
like the perfect Ironman execution. We had a race plan for him. You know, we, I coached him for two years, the majority of the two years. And, you know, he's had plenty of setbacks like we all do during training with jobs and illnesses. And he never got injured. He had some issues. We, we adapted the plan and he just did phenomenal. So I'm really proud of him and I'm proud that he gets to call himself an Ironman. He's so excited. And that's, that's what it's all about. When, when someone says, welcome to the club. And if you see uh, a person with an Ironman tattoo and you've achieved one as yourself, you kind of mm -hmm. feel like, yeah, I, I know what you did. Respect. We've been there. I know what it took for you to get to the start line. And of course, what it felt like to cross a line. There's that uh, definitely a community and, and brotherhood, sisterhood of those who have done the full distance and have something to show for it. Yeah. How many have you done total in your life? 20. That's quick that you know the answer too. You know, some, you know, if you, if you do the full distance, you kind of know that number Whereas as opposed to a 70.3 kind of, if you've done, a, I've done like 20 plus and I lost track. I think it's 23, I think. But after a while, it's like, you know, cool. I mean, I'm, I doubt people are keeping track of their Olympic distances or even their sprint no. distances because you can do those almost every weekend, kind of. Uh, but when it comes to Ironmans, you know your number. Right. And my best time is 953.51. <laughs> you know, those are the numbers I know. And it's interesting because I never even thought about how many triathlons total I've done, let alone how many 70.3s alone. I never even like, crossed my mind. Mm -hmm. But Ironman, I mean, again, maybe it's just a smaller number. It's easier to keep track of. But yeah. I think I just always, you know, when I celebrated that number 20, it was just, it was number 20. It's kind of yeah. cool to say yeah. I've done 20 of them. Not to minimize your 20 full distance Ironman finishes. Luis Alvarez is over 180, yeah. 181 maybe now, over, I think. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. He's a member. He, for those listening, uh, he was on the Timex multi-sport team with both Wendy and I for the longest time. And uh, a few years ago when the team disbanded, uh, he kind of went on, on his own, I guess unsupported maybe. I don't know if he has other sponsors he has, but he has, he, and I think maybe one other person, but I can't keep track of that, is the, are the only people in the world who have done every Ironman distance on the planet at least once. And I think he still has that. And there was a story... Uh, Dave Orlowski, who was the, one of the original Ironman finishers, he was third place mm -hmm. back in 78. He and uh, Luis, uh, very good friends, Dave has since passed away. They did, I think there was a, a, a new Ironman on a Saturday and maybe a new Ironman on a Sunday. And they took a plane and did them back to back in order to continue this streak of yeah. doing every single Ironman. Because if he wouldn't have done it, he, the streak would have been broken or at least... Uh, I guess you could have done it the following year, but anyhow, they did that. And they, Luis is also a very wealthy man. So he was able to rent a private plane in order to make the trip. I don't know if it was in Europe and then back to the U.S. Do you recall what events those were? I don't, but I do recall. I thought he had done like an, like an east, a northeast and a south east and back to back before in the same weekend. I was, yeah. I rem yeah. I remember that. I, I want to say it was like maybe Maryland and, um, one in the South, but hmm. I can't remember okay. the Europe, the Europe thing would be, Europe would be tough because of the, you know, 12 to 14 hour time difference, but it's possible to go to Europe and do a race on a Saturday, fly home and do a race in the United States on Sunday because of that time change going from Europe to United States. 
for some reason, I think it was Switzerland, but I can't quite tell. And if you hear something in the background, I have a vacuum cleaner going. So can you hear that, Wendy? Yeah. Okay. I hope it's not going to be too distracting. If it is, too late. We're recording. We're going to keep on going. We're going to fight through this. Take our step back and turn it into a comeback. <laughs> uh, so the T2 Endurance Club, I just want to give you a, a quick heads up on that. If you haven't joined us already, there's over 600 members in there. We ask you to answer three questions in order to join. It's like how you heard about us. Do you have a Training Peaks account and what events are you training for? That way we know you're not a robot or spam. So if you see those questions, please answer them. Uh, otherwise, you'll be pending and then um, I won't know if you're real serious. But that's where you just have some people answering questions for us to join the group. And then when you're in the group, hey, ask away, support, share your stories. Um, it's, it's a great place to be and uh, we try to keep it somewhat small. Uh, it's a private group and uh, it's been a pretty good success so far. All right. As mentioned in the introduction, this happened, this announcement, Wendy, happened soon after we stopped recording last week on Wednesday. You get this email from WTC, World Triathlon Corporation, that says, hey, I hope you enjoyed watching the 70.3 last weekend in St. George, which is a, they made that the 70.3 World Championship because it's a great course. So they said, um, it happens to be now a preview of what's to come. As a result of all the excitement at the event, and because of the challenges, and here's the challenges, they previously rescheduled uh, Kona for February. It, it would be the 2021 World Championship. They scheduled it for February because they recognized the impacts of COVID, that they were continuing to persist on the island of Hawaii. Uh, due to the degree that is too great to continue to plan with comfort, we have therefore and are delighted to change the venue to St. George to host the venue for the 2021 Ironman World Championship that was scheduled for you know 2021, but now it's going to be in 2022. You get the kind of idea. So this email was sent to me in part because I am signed up for Ironman St. George, and they were replacing, basically they're just redefining the race as the Ironman World Championship. Now, if I was, if you had signed up for St. George. Ironman in 2022, you can now, you can now currently participate in an Ironman world championship event with no change, no, no cost whatsoever, which was presented to me. This is so strange, Wendy. I signed up for Ironman Coeur d'Alene uh, a year and a half ago. Well, because of an injury and whatever, I um, moved and deferred it to St. George because that was an option. And now they said, Dave, you can be in the 2021 Ironman world championship because you happen to sign up for it. And we moved it without, you know, without consulting me. Why wouldn't they consult me? <laughs> so I'm thinking, oh, that's kind of cool. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to be in the world championship. It's basically just a world championship event. So all the signage, the, the, the athletes who are there are all previous qualifiers. The pros will be there. I'm thinking, oh, sweet. I'm going to have a lot of cool gear. You know, that's what it basically going to boil down to for me because I'm not going to train any different. But I thought about it. I want to ask you, I think I know your answer. And maybe let's talk about what other people might do themselves. You sign up for an event, you know it's going to be straight up event. And then someone says, oh, you know what? It's now going to be a world championship event. And you're going to be alongside a lot of pros and elite athletes who had to qualify to get there. Would you still do the event if you had the option of leaving the event to a different event? No charge. You didn't qualify. You didn't, quote, earn your spot at this world championship, Wendy. Would you still right. do it? And then I guess, you know, follow-up question would be, how would you even 
kind of brag about it at all? Or would you tell people, hey, I'm, I'm in the world championship, even though you no. didn't so really get there? The way I would approach it, and, and again, it, it's going to be so dependent on the person and the experience of the person. If I signed up for St. George, which is a race I, I've wanted to do, the Ironman in St. George, since it happened, I think since like 2011, I wanted to do an Ironman in St. George. I didn't think it was coming back for 2022. When they announced that St. George was going to be an event a year or two ago, I thought they were going to come back in 2023. Hmm. And so when St. George opened up for 2022, I said, no, I'm not going to sign up for it. I really want to do it, but I'm already committed to other things um, in the spring. I'm just not ready to do it in 2022. Now, if I were... If I signed up for St. George when you did or anyone else signed up for St. George, there's a reason. There's a why. And and my why would be because I want to do the terrain Ironman in St. George. So whether or and if I was in it this year and they turned it into a world championship event, I would still race the Ironman St. George course because that was my intention when I signed up. Being a world championship event or not, my why is to race the Ironman St. George course. So it would not matter to me. And, you know, and it's exciting to say, okay, now it's a world championship. But at the same time, I've been to world championships event. That's not what it's about for me. My why is I can't, I really want to do the St. George course. I can't even, you know, I'm not even going to say that again. But anyways, so I would have stayed in the event myself. Mm -hmm. Now you, you know, your original event was Coeur d'Alene. Mm-hmm. And then it was St. George. So I understand someone who was deferred to St. George, if that's not was not your original intent. I understand if you had another option now to defer out of St. George to something else. That makes sense to me. St. George was not your original intent. Coeur d'Alene was. So being a world championship, Ironman world championship to me is all about going to Kona and experiencing the dream in Kona, which has been taking place since whenever it moved from Honolulu to the Big Island. I don't even remember the exact year, but that's what a world that's what the Ironman World Championship means to me is going to the Big Island in Hawaii. Yes. So so you know, you, you athletes who were, are registered for St. George 2022, you didn't have to stay, you got to defer. So it's really just dependent on the person. Yeah. You know, I I almost feel like there's an asterisk next to it. If you do the event, because you're doing St. George, but you're going to finish in the Ironman world championship. You know, your, your race belt's going to say that your gear is going to say that. Right. And I guess anyone who is in the sport, in the know, knows that if they know you, you didn't qualify, but you have all this cool gear. You're not really an Ironman World Championship athlete by definition, even though you're there. So maybe that's just the purist. I'm sure a lot of purists would say, don't even tell me that you did the Ironman World Championship. You did Ironman St. George. Yeah, and number one, again, it's a label. It's how you define labels. Number two, it really doesn't matter. If, you, if you're if you like, you know what, I'm going to the Ironman World Championships because I happen to be in St. George and they changed it. Mm-hmm. That's a different story. I mean, it's all it's all personal and based on your why. Now, now let me, let me just tell you quickly. When you texted me 
that St. George was now the Ironman World Championships, I was coaching the youth swim team and I had my phone on me because I was timing them mm-hmm. <laughs> from my stopwatch. It was mm-hmm. ironic that I happened to have my phone. And I got really excited and I got really jazzed for you and everyone else who's like, oh my God, everyone who's already signed up, now they get to say they went to a world championship. That's the coolest thing in the world. If I qualify in Ironman Florida, am I going to have the option to go to St. George as a world championship event? And so, so my initial emotions were really like there and, and, and then other athletes who I coach, I actually coach a woman who qualified for Kona in 2019. So this will be her third or fourth deferral. I can't even keep track. It's been three years. And so, you know, after the initial emotions kind of calmed down and I'm like, well, I I researched it. I'm like, oh, well, it's not the World Championship 2022. It's the World Championship 2021 taking place in 22. So then my emotions changed and everything about everything changed that I'm like, okay, you know, I hopefully if I do, I mean, my goal is if I qualify for Kona and Ironman Florida 2021, I'm hoping I get to do Kona in 2023. I don't even want to do Kona next year. <laughs> so mm. it's all a, a, you know, where, where I'm at mentally and physically and just with life in general, I'm hoping I qualify, I get a slot for 2023, not even 2022. So it's all a matter of processing, you know, processing everything. And Ironman is, you know, just thinking about Ironman, you can get really full of emotions. You know, you read, you read, you read a, a text that you get and you get excited for someone or you get excited for yourself and then things change. So I think it's really important to just process everything and do what's best for you based on, you know, where you're at May of 2022 and what you're, again, ultimately what the why is and what the reason is and, and go from there. That makes it easy. When you think about your why, every, all the answers to your questions seem a lot easier. And sometimes people forget that in the excitement of things. You forget the purpose of everything. I didn't think about this until you said it just now about that, hey, Dave, you signed up for Coeur d'Alene and weren't expecting to do St. George. And then you got thrown into St. George because that was your option. So that wasn't my original plan. The way you said it is like, yeah, well, I, I'm not, I wasn't planning to do St. George. It just happened to be what was available. But now I have a second chance to make something else available because, hey, let's be honest, St. George, I wasn't looking forward to the difficulty of it, which is in part why they're making it a championship course because it has proven mm-hmm. itself to be championship worthy. They made the mm-hmm. 70.3 Worlds there and it tested athletes and it has tested athletes in the past. I've been to the event a number of times, both at the half and the full distance um, level. Well, they say here that, um, please know the previously communicated 2022 Ironman World Championship qualification slots will remain available at this race. So let's say, hypothetically, I do go to the race. I don't know how they would do this, for example. Now I think about it. Let's say you have Kona qualifiers, Kona qualifiers, Kona qualifiers at St. George. They can't be eligible, can they, for a Kona slot in 2022? Because, I mean, let's say you do Kona. Wendy, let's say you did Kona a couple years ago. By doing well, do you qualify for the same world championship event the next year? You have to win your age group. So I won my age group. Oh, flat out? Not not a podium issue? You just have to win it? No. When I won my age group in 2008, that automatically qualified me for 2009. Oh, so there's no slots or roll downs at the world championship for the world championship? No. Oh, okay. Not at all. Age group winners automatically qualify for the following year. Okay. Okay. So anyways, so it looks like here that even if you, let's say you're second place in your age group, you would get a slot 
for the 2022 World Championship at St. George if you're a Kona qualifier. Now, if you're just an age grouper who signed up like me, I'm still eligible for a Kona slot. Whoa, 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 wait, let's back up there. Okay. So I'm, okay, so I'm already, I'm already registered for St. George. It's now a world championship. I choose to do the St. George. I choose to do the 2021 Ironman world championships in St. George. Yes. As an age grouper. Mm -hmm. I win my age group in St. George. I can go to Kona in 2022. But by just the fact that you're there and you win it, you, you're the Ironman World Championship in your age group because now it's redefined. Right. Okay. But, 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 okay. So let's say I get, but, but does that allow me to qualify for 2022? Well, if you because win it, Saint, I guess you do no matter what. But let's say I get second or third. Then I would think yes, because you're, I would think no. Because you weren't a quota qualifier to get there. But it's a quota. I would say no because it's a world championship and you can only qualify for Kona world championship if you win your age group at the Kona world championship. Mm, Well, so that's the, that's the confusing part. You know, I have a girlfriend in Colorado who is doing St. George with the intent to qualify for Kona. But now that St. George is a world championship, you, you, her, her and, and yourself can say, I don't want to do the world championship. I want to do, I want to do another option race. Yes. And, and I would think that's the best. If you're trying to qualify for Kona October of 2022, you should not do the St. George world championship, but I don't know exactly, you know, and, and, and in my mind, because of what happened at the 2000, 21 70.3 world champions in St. George mm-hmm. where with 30 days notice they yeah. moved the women's race to the men's race. And I said, no, it's not going to work for me. I had to change all my plans. I, you know, t- things are, you know, I'm used to things happening with, you know, we all are. Anyone who's been signed up for an Ironman in the last two years is used to having these cancellations, postponements and all that. They could still be making some changes. You just, you just, you just can't, you just can't have these expectations anymore until the pandemic's <laughs> till the pandemic's a little bit more under control. You just have to really say, you know what? Cool. I defer to Kona 2022, but you still have to have that expectation that it could still be changed again. I'm sure it'll all work itself out and it'll be more clear as we get closer and closer for, yeah. for this group of athletes who are going to be participating as a Kona qualifier in St. George and also the people who are age groupers who are in St. George now as a world champion, because they say here that it'll still have qualify qualification slots available at this race. Okay. That's good. I didn't know that. Yeah. But here's the other little twist to this. And we'll get to the, um, the deferment in my, my decisions here is that, uh, in the 2022 edition, if you're in the know, it's going to be held over two days in October, which is a big deal. First time women will be on Thursday. Men will be on Saturday. So women are all going to race together, which will in Kona, if they have it in Kona, which will eliminate a lot of the congestion out of, out of T1 on the bike, out of water in the, in the transition. And then all the men will compete against each other on Saturday. So, mm-hmm. which allows them to kind of bulk up the fields because normally you're just limited by, you know, numbers, but now you have a little more cushion and flexibility with the fields a little bit smaller, but now they can make the fields bigger more women and more men 
eligible to participate on Thursday and Saturday. Right. And I think one reason they did that is because they have already a lot of athletes. They have those athletes who qualified for Kona in 2019. Backlog. They have athletes who qualified for Kona in 2020. Mm-hmm. And now they're going to have athletes who qualified in 2021, <laughs> as well Smart. as athletes who qualify in 2022. So that's a lot of athletes to, they already have, a, they already have, probably have more than they can, more than they can handle. Therefore, trying to, a lot trying to push athletes to do St. George. I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting to me. It's all interesting to me. I think it turns out to be a, a positive win-win. If you can have the women just compete against women and men against men in future events. I like it. I like it. I like it too. Yeah. I mean, you have your own focused day. You're not mm-hmm. overshadowed by anybody else. It is just about your group. And maybe it allows more people. And I think I think I read there too, and I can't remember exactly. But but now women will have as many pro slots as the men pro slots. By, oh, nice. By switching nice, it up. Nice. I mean, it doesn't matter to a lot of us who aren't pros. But anyways, that's interesting. So my follow-up email after that one, that major announcement, was from Active. Because now they said, with the recent announcement made about all this what we talked about, we are offering all registered athletes the option to either register for the World Championship race which is on May 7th, 2022, in place of the 2022 Ironman St. George event, or to select from the below options for a free transfer. Now, when when I did send that text to you, I got excited too because you said, hey, if all goes well, I do well in Florida, I could be going to St. George and we could be racing the same event. I thought right yeah. then and there would be awesome. Just to, yeah. I, I've never raced at the same event with you. But like, oh, cool. We would get together. We would... Because Wendy and I haven't seen each other in person in years, in physical person, that would be enough for me to like want to go there and do the St. George just to do it. So, oh, sweet, we could do the same event with so much cool stuff we could do about it. Yeah. And then um, I let it sink in a little bit, and I got excited about being at an event. All right. So now I have the option to do a free transfer. Now I didn't really look at this until I talked to my wife a little bit later. Um, if you wish to be registered for the event on May seventh, in place of this, no actions required. So if I do nothing. I'm going to St. George as an Ironman World Championship participant. And then I looked at the options of races. My first email, I didn't look at it because I thought, oh, cool, I'm going to the World Championship. And then I thought, I think Melissa, my wife, asked me, well, what races can you go to? I go, I don't know. I didn't really look. And then I looked at the list, and it has, um, I've got, these are all for next year. These are all Ironman distances. Texas, Tulsa, Wisconsin, Lake Placid, Alaska, which there's only a limited number of entries available, Canada, Maryland, Chattanooga, which just happened last weekend, California, Waco, Florida, and then my my best PR race ever, which is a lot of people's race besides Florida. Arizona was on the list. I go, oh my goodness. And the reason why this was a big light bulb thing for both me and Melissa and our family is that St. George in 2022, which was planned, uh-huh. great, we're going to do it. I want her to come down and watch and, and support me. We're also, also going to have our kids come down. And they're really young. They're two and three and a half right now. But COVID travel issues. Is grandma going to be able to come down? 
Uh, what about lodging now and rental cars because it's a world championship event? That's going to be tricky, even mm-hmm. though we already had a, a couple of uh, plans for staying in a place down there because I knew I was going to go. It's like, hmm. But if we did Florida, if we did Arizona next year, which is 14 months away versus seven and a half months away, grandma and grandpa could go down. You'd be odds are kids, kids are going to be older. So travel is going to be a little easier. Maybe fingers crossed travel won't be as difficult with COVID in a year and a half. And it'll be November in Arizona. That's great. Mm-hmm. Versus possibly the real hot conditions in May in St. George. So, and I, I, yeah. I think it's so great that you guys processed all of that information. Because when I woke up the next morning and you had told me you guys had talked and your plans have changed, it got me thinking. And I actually wrote a newsletter. <laughs> it's all in my newsletter yeah. that I sent out on Friday about, you know, you want to do an Ironman and the excitement and, ooh, a new Ironman, Alaska opened up, I'm going to register. Or a new Ironman in California or a new Ironman in Europe, whatever. I used to get excited and always want to register for all these new upcoming races. I don't do that anymore because I'm experienced. (laughs) And I know, you know, I I know all that's involved in doing an Ironman and to travel. And, you know, I qualified for the Ironman St. George 70.3 World Championships in July of 2020. Bam, registered without a problem. Because it was a world championship in St. George and I want to race in St. George. Didn't think about well, um, is Kandango? Like I was going to go to this race by myself. That's, that's not something I like to do. I don't like to travel like that by myself. You know, it was one of those, I didn't think of expenses. I didn't think of what I would be doing in September of 2021, where my life was at with coaching the kids and just life in general that it's like, oh my God, just all these, you know, signing up for a, a year in advance for a race it's not something I really like to do because so many things can impact your life, like just let alone illness and injury and you can't compete, but just, just things happen that my mind's always like, oh, mm-hmm. I wanted to do the world championship a year ago and now it's here. I train for it. I'm really fit for it, but all these changes are happening. It's not the right time for me. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's important to process everything involved in doing an Ironman, like Alaska. Alaska is different. You know, yeah, I'd love to go to Alaska, sure. but not to do, but not to do an Ironman. I just want to go to Alaska. <laughs> you know, you know, I, I want to go to Kona. To, I wanted to go to Kona to do the Ironman because I've been to Kona without an Ironman attached to it. So I've been there, done that. I know what that's about. Um, yeah, you know, it's just, it's just interesting how races and dictate where athletes travel and vacation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, like we had a discussion this morning uh, on an unrelated topic, but it had to do with travel and uh, this um, seminar. And uh, we were thinking, okay, well, th- th- some little wrinkles have happened. And we thought, well, before we make any decisions, let's sleep on it. Or let's think, let the weekend sink in. Um, and then we'll decide later. But because that knee jerk reaction of when I got, the, I got the email going, I, you know, messaged right. a couple of people. Sweet, I'm gonna be in the Ironman World Championship, uh-huh. and the, okay, after the goosebumps went away and the thought about it, it's like, okay, I'm still trying to plan on traveling there. My train's still on pace for that seven and a half months from now. Cool, I, I can do that. And then uh, I thought, all right, I don't like the idea. This is just me. I don't want to be in yeah. a World Championship event and be, in my eyes, 
posing as a world championship qualifying athlete, even though everyone knows, you know, because of the circumstances they had to do the switch. But still, right. I don't want that race belt that says world championship and I didn't do it. I didn't get there on my own, which that's just my thing. Right. A little exactly. bit later. Hmm. How about, oh, the second follow-up email. Oh, what other races are available? Oh, this fits better with our schedule. I can't mm -hmm. do it for uh, appearances. I can't go to the world championship for appearances sake. I can't, that can't be my why just mm -hmm. to be part of the event as an athlete. Mm -hmm. That can't be my why. It's got to be other things. And then I thought about all the positives. I, you know, make that mental list of, well, I've done the race before. I know what to expect. We've traveled there a number of times as non-event travel things, mm -hmm. uh, also as events. I've done the race, the 70.3 once, the full once. Hmm, I can do this. Everyone's familiar with it. Family can go down there. We know where to stay. Mm -hmm. That makes more sense. That feels better. Yeah. I'm, and Yeah. Well, as you were talking, it reminded me of anyone out there who's finishing an Ironman. There's so many emotions that happen for a couple weeks post Ironman or post 70.3 or post first event ever. You go through a series of emotions. And I always tell athletes, if you can possibly not sign up for an event for two to four weeks post Ironman, because if you do poorly, you may want to jump in another event to prove to yourself that you can really do better. If you do great, you want to do another, another one because you did so well. So there's just the emotions that I know I go through after an Ironman and I know better to say, okay, I'm going to let this settle for two weeks, you know, and, and let, let myself process all these emotions that I'm going through. Cause I know it's going to happen. And if I still want to do that event, in two weeks and I'll sign up. Mm -hmm. And another thing I like to do is in your case, thinking about Arizona or thinking about St. George, will you be disappointed if you're not in St. George in May or will you be disappointed that you're not doing Arizona in November? Mm -hmm. And bam, you know, when I signed up for Florida a year ago, I knew, yes, I will be disappointed if I'm not in Panama city in November of 2021. So it was a no brainer. It was easy for me to sign up for that race. And one of the other selfish reasons for me is that uh, not, I know the race, but I also know that I can go faster there versus St. George. So there's a little, mm -hmm. there's a vanity associated with doing a PR, even though it's, I mean, it's, it's notorious along with Florida, probably Florida's easier in terms of speed of what you could do as a PR. And I, I think I, my time is under 1130 and I had a flat, everyone has their story, right? Or their excuses. I had a flat, <laughs> a 15 mm -hmm. minute flat. So I know I could have gone faster than what I did, maybe. Because, you know, that 15 minute was a, a nice little reprieve. Oh, my goodness. And thinking about yeah. the energy I saved, my heart rate coming down and being calm and whatever. You know, how could I have gone? I could have gone harder and then blew up. Anyhow, I know I can go faster with experience. And it's all experience and maturity, athlete. My, my body is different. My mind is different. Mm -hmm. I know how to train mm -hmm. differently. And I think I did that race 14, 13. I can't remember which one it was. But it's been a while. But the course is familiar. It's like, I want to mm -hmm. do that one. I want to do it in November. It's a potential PR. And I want this to segue into our next topic. I know we're way over time, but what do you do? How do you adjust from a race that I was planning for seven and a half months of training? Now I'm down to, now I'm up to 14 months. Now my whole mindset is like, I got a cushion here. I could coast and not be focused for another five months, which is a little bit defeating in my mind. I'm thinking, 
you know, I'm, I'm gearing up. I'm putting some base things. I'm mentally preparing for seven months from now. Now I've got twice the time. It's like I'm starting over or I can go do something for five months and not even train and then get back on the horse. How do you, how would you tell someone, Hey, your race isn't uh, this year. It's going to be next year. Well, I think right now it being, it's all pretty much October, you know, we're September 29th, which is also national coffee day, by the way, happy national coffee day. Um, being, you know, end of the season, you know, everyone's starting their out of season off season. Most people, at least in North America end their season at an Ironman in September, October or November, pretty much, you know, unless they're going to travel overseas and do an Ironman in December or early spring. And so you just get into your out of season training, you know, whatever that means to you. If, you know, we've talked about single sport focused training plans right now. If, if you, if you're someone who's never developed any strength, mobility, core training, get into that right now. If you want to work on some sort of your weakness, some sort of technical, technical thing right now, get into that, um, be active, but don't be, don't be necessarily following a plan. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, it's important to be active. That's that time of year to do it. And so you can really just set your training up. It's a year from now. You can set up a 12-month plan to say, you know, you, you're going to start your, your build phase 12 weeks out from race date. So August, September, October of 2022 is your build phase, race-specific phase for, for November. And then all of that before that is base and doing A races, B or doing B and C races, Maybe doing an A race. Maybe maybe you want to do an A race in May. Maybe you find a 70.3 in May to do because you're not doing uh, St. Saint George anymore. Mm-hmm. So, so you can still follow what you intended to do because a lot of people, due to the pandemic, has, have already had their off season. They're ready to go now. They've already had time off. So, everyone, so really wh- what, I, what I say is just dependent on the person. But for you specifically, I would, if it was me, I would find a, a, an A race to do in the spring and then just kind of follow what you intended to follow over the next seven months, six, six months. But instead of a 140.6, you're going to do a 70.3. Use it as a, you know, taper peak, the full on a, uh, you know, a event. And then, you know, take a little recovery time, transition time, and then gear up and do a six, you know, four to six month plan specifically targeting Arizona. Yeah. Well, I, when I mentioned this to my friend Craig, he said, oh, I guess it opens up a 70.3 quarter lane for you, which I wouldn't have done. And I think it'll probably be in June. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I haven't looked at the calendar uh, to see that yet, but it's like, well, that makes sense. It's my backyard. I've done that a thousand mm-hmm. times. Sure. That makes sense. That's a good um, yeah. middle ground. Yeah. So what an athlete does, it totally depends on the time of year and, and if they're coming into their season or out of their season, mm-hmm. it's so variable. And again, mm-hmm. due to the pandemic, everyone's off season, out of season has been so varied you know, me, what did I do during the pandemic? I got really fit. Not everyone chose the route I chose and got really unfit. And so now they're trying to say, okay, races happened in 2021. There's more for 2022. I, how do I crawl out of my funk I've been in where I've, I've taken a little bit too much more time off than I normally do. So my re my, my plan for them would be completely different. 
Well, we covered two of our main topics in the introduction about uh, Kona going to St. George, adjusting your season a little bit like, we, like I have to now. I was going to talk about long-distance running in the offseason, but I can skip that. But I do want to finish off with uh, this history-making uh, news about Sika Henry. I hope I say her first name correctly. And I was just going to Instagram to see, you know, anything on our, our Instagram page or any comments. And first thing I see in the feed is, um, and it shocked me because I, I didn't even think like this, but uh, Sika Henry is the first U.S. black female professional triathlete. I never really, I never really looked at the, the scope of the female or male field to see, you know, where's everybody from? What color are they? And is everyone represented? Because triathlete is a results-driven sport. I don't, you got to just finish a certain time to be a professional, for example. I didn't think, think uh, you know, one nationality or one race was better than the other. It's just the athlete. So I saw that and I told it to you and I thought, you know, we never thought about that before. Never thought about it. I saw something. It's probably on Facebook or Instagram a week ago. Same thing. Mm -hmm. And so, again, I've never even never even crossed my mind looking at professional triathletes specifically why there were no black men or black women. Just never even thought about it. So it's just mm -hmm. kind of opened up your mind to think about other sports and and, you know, different races and how they excel in other sports and opportunities that people have and don't have. And that's coming from a white perspective. I mean, you flip mm -hmm. it over and you, you, from a different perspective, a different race would look at, oh, I never thought about this person, you know, or this race in our sport, you know, mm -hmm. you, can, you can go both ways. It just happens to be, right. this happens to be a sport where you see a lot more white faces than you do dark faces. Right. In so many words. So I went to her page and this was just yesterday. I'm going to read what she wrote here because she posted a picture of herself and that phrase from USA Triathlon about her being the first U.S. black female professional triathlete. She goes, if you can see it, you can be it. I felt super exposed and vulnerable on Sunday because she did 70.3 uh, Augusta and that was her first race as a pro, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I made it through a single mile for 70.3 miles where I didn't question what I was doing out there and if I belonged in the pro field. I can't express enough how mentally difficult this race was for me. But when the going gets tough and you have to dig deep and find your why, one of the phrases I repeated the most was this, this moment matters so you can't quit. I don't expect everyone to understand why representation is important. In fact, I questioned it myself when I considered quitting after my crash. It took a horrible accident for me to truly see the importance and impact. Ugh, that accident was such a blessing and a curse. But here I am in the pro field trying to figure this crazy sport out, bummed, happy, frustrated, and grateful. Thank you for the beautiful comments and messages of support. They crush all the mean negative ones. So apparently she got, had an accident and got injured uh, in, the, in the recent past. And um, so she bounced back and did her first race as a professional. So great. You know, no matter how you, how talented you are, how much you excel as a professional, kudos to every amateur triathlete, multi-sport athlete who has what it takes to go pro and actually go pro. And I say that coming from someone who battled whether or not I wanted to go pro after 2008. I wanted to go pro. I've always wanted to be a pro triathlete. And that was like 
my opportunity winning Kona go pro. Most people do, if not everyone who, who's the overall amateur winner, mm-hmm. but you know, I processed everything. I was 35. I'm not getting any younger. And that's the re- that was the main reason I had to process everything, the pros and cons of going pro yeah. and the age thing. And, and that was the biggest reason I didn't. And I didn't, I also didn't want to be pro even just for a year. I know, I know friends who've been pro for a year and then they stop for me personally. I didn't want to be pro and then have to not be pro because mm. when you hit your forties, more, most triathletes aren't professional when they hit their forties and I didn't want to have to re- retire, so to speak as a professional. So I, I, I think it's great if people go pro and, 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 and I understand that feeling you, you don't belong. I, I didn't feel like I was going to belong as a pro. It was very stressful in my mind thinking that I could be pro and, but I'm so glad I never did it. If I was 25, I, I would have. So it's a different story. It was all based on your age and how much career you had left as a pro is why you didn't do it. Mainly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, do you not feel like if you went pro that you would be coming back down uh, uh, as a left, lesser athlete in your mind if you... No. No? No. I think a little bit of it was anxiety. Like, I mean, this is still back in 2008. I think this, again, the sport was still, I think, new. Um, not knowing what that meant for training, you know, because I had all these jobs, all these part-time coaching jobs. And I felt like my training was going in 2008, my training was unlimited because of life circumstances. I trained a lot, but then all of a sudden I I started all these little jobs. I'm like, I'm not going to be able to train as much. Will I be competitive as a pro? And, and, and I got anxiety thinking about, you know, what, what if I go pro and I get last I didn't want that to happen. And so that was, that was a big, a big deal. And like I said, I wasn't getting any younger. That was part of it too. But mainly I just didn't want to bomb and bomb to me would be like perform worse as a pro. But the thing is, is I went to Kona in 20, 2009 and I walked the marathon and I, as I was walking the marathon, I'm like, Oh, I'm just glad I'm not pro right now. I'm walking the marathon. So it was a quite a different experience from 2008, but that was another race that I'm like, I'm so glad I didn't go pro because I'm having a bomb of a race. <laughs> so there's some me. pride and ego in it that you could be passed by quote an age grouper as a pro or be beat by um, an age grouper. I didn't, again, I never, I never even thought it, I never even thought about being passed by an age grouper at all. I just thought of my first Kona experience as a pro mm. number. Okay. Let's even backtrack because I won Kona age group in 2008. I automatically qualified for Kona 2009. If I turned pro, I'd have to qualify for Kona as a pro. So that was another reason that was actually in the, another list on my list of not wanting to go pro is I'm like, I'm already going back to Kona. I'm not sure if I can qualify for Kona as a pro. I don't want to go pro. Yeah. So that was, that was another reason. I've interviewed so many athletes over the, over the years when I was working for, for Ironman and with the Timex multi-sport team, I would interview some of our athletes, fellow athletes, teammates, and they're definitely, uh, in that, that group, uh, pro quality athletes. And, and the common thing that would come back in that group is that as a sponsored athlete specifically, you can get more exposure for your sponsors 
and just maybe your own ego by finishing on the podium as a age grouper versus a pro. And that can be a factor too. Like you said, it would suck statistically to be the last pro, even though you would be the first age grouper if you weren't a pro. And so it's cool to be on the podium and be the best age grouper versus being the last pro. Right. I totally, I totally get that. And speaking of sponsorships, 2008 was when the economy tanked Mm -hmm. and we started a recession. So me, you know, oh, I won Kona. I'm going to get all these sponsors. (laughs) That did not happen. I I ended up getting a a bike sponsor, but I still had to pay 50%. So that was still a few thousand dollars for a bike. I was just assuming, oh, I'm going to get a free bike out of this because I had never ridden a tri-bike up until that point. So I'm like, oh, I'm getting a free tri-bike. No, sponsorships were really, really tough. A lot of the reasons was the economy that year. Um, So, yeah, that was another reason I didn't go pro. I'm like, I'm not even really, I'm going to struggle. I don't even know how to get sponsored. Mm. Um, And then in 2009, I went back to Kona, and then I was on the Timex multi-sport team as an amateur. Yeah. So that was cool. I mean, that was a different type of sponsorship, but I think I got more sponsors and partnered product being on the Timex multi-sport amateur team than I could have imagined getting on my own as a professional triathlete during that time. It's, it's so different now. And it's frustrating as, as being in the sport, but also hearing from people who aren't in the sport. Like my wife has said this before, like the professional triathlete is an amazing, dedicated, hardworking, talented athlete, and they don't get compensated for that talent and result. To mm-hmm. be able to do, I mean, I'm speaking to the choir here, anyone who's listening, you know how hard it is to do what you do as a triathlete and to do it at a high level is even harder and the money is not there to compensate for the, the amount of talent and hard work that goes into being good at all three sports. Do one sport good, and but do three as a pro. As a pro right. And you are I- just... It doesn't, and your, your, your window of opportunities can be so short. So how can you parlay that into coaching, into sponsorships, into speaking engagements, whatever it may be, you Mm -hmm. have to do something because that window of being a pro is, can be so short at a high level. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyhow, it's, it's not everything you think it is maybe in title. And that's why, you know, you, some people would say, Hey, I'm a former pro. That's cool. I would love to be considered a pro athlete in anything. That is cool. Yeah. I may end up being a pro dart player at some point. And to me, that will check my box of being a pro athlete, even Mm -hmm. though it's darts, you know, there's still some, anyhow, that was one of my goals in high school. You know, I want to be a pro athlete or a coach when I grow up. That's what I wanted to be not Mm -hmm. there yet, but you can be a pro triathlete. People turn pro in their thirties. You can Mm -hmm. be a pro triathlete based on results or being at the right place, the right race, whatever. I mean, there was, remember rev free rev three, Athletes who participate in Red 3 could earn their pro card and then race in the Ironman circuit as a pro. And that right. that series is no longer around, as far as I, re- I can recall right now. But, you know, you had, okay, lesser competition or fewer people will go to these Rev 3 events and get their pro card. But you were a pro triathlete. And it worked. Right. And my, and I'm like such a more confident person now. I was pretty confident in 2008, but I'm so much more confident now that I would not have a problem going pro because of my mindset is really different. I've really, mm. you know, like 
I want to go pro for a year just to say I was pro. That would be a that would be a strong why for me that would be cool. to go pro now. Just just my why would be to say yeah. I was a pro tra- athlete for one year. Yeah. But back in 2008, that's not how my thought at all. My thought process was completely different. So that's why I think it's awesome that she went pro even though she feels out of place and blah, blah, blah. It's like, you know what, honey, just go for it. That's awesome that you made that choice to do it because you're a pro athlete and that's every athlete's dream is to be a pro. <laughs> and that's, and that's, and that's her why. And she did it. Yeah. Some people don't do yeah. it by choice. Some people never get there and not by their choice. Right. Well, quite the show. I, it went a lot longer, but I thought it was some cool stuff to talk about with the, you know, the timeliness of the world championship, St. George, my thought process. Maybe you can take something from that yourself as a listener. And, um, yeah. So our half hour is actually almost an hour now, but that's great. We're Any, flexible. Um, we, we adapt to whatever we're talking about. We're course, adaptable. Of course. And then please follow Wendy at, um, you have more than one account on Instagram. Is it, is it just T2 Coach Wendy? Or I just have it? T2 Coach Wendy on Instagram. Okay. And also Facebook, the T2 Coaching on Facebook, her individual page in addition to our Endurance Hour. Uh, Wendy is uh, very impressive with your, your running results and your running activity schedule, race uh, schedule, Wendy. What was the, the longest one you just recently did, uh, a trail run? I did a 23-miler in uh, Georgia Mm -hmm. called the Georgia jewel. It was very last minute because it was the same weekend as St. George 70.3. And I just, just myself, my personality, um, I can easily change plans. So like, basically I gave you the advice. You should still race in May of 2022, even though it's not St. George, you should still race. Mm -hmm. Well, when I changed my plans to not go to St. George, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I get to do the Georgia Jewel. It's a trail run. I'm so excited because I've never run in, in Dalton, Georgia. That part of Georgia I, I was new to me. And so um, there's a 23 miler, a 35, no, it was 23, 37, 50, and a 100 miler. And I did the Cruel Jewel in May. So I just wanted to say I did the Cruel Jewel and the Georgia Jewel in the same year. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Why? Because that's just how I am. That's my why. And so it was a very beautiful course. I haven't really run much on trails the last, you know, eight to 12 weeks I ch- when I changed my focus to train for Ironman Florida. And so I just had no idea how I would do. My my only, pr- my number one purpose was, well, I had three purposes, not to get lost, not to fall. I did fall once, but I, I saved myself. I didn't get too hurt. And to, um, pace myself. Cause I'm still learning as a trail run, that pacing thing. Mm-hmm. And I actually negative split. It was out and back 11 and a half miles out, 11 and a half miles back. So it was 24 miles. And my second half was 10 minutes faster than the first half. Big. So I checked off all my goals. It was fun. And it, I just trail running. It, 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 it just reminded me, yes, you still want to be a trail runner. And I've always wanted to, since I started trail running, my first trail run was in 2011. That was my first 50 miler. And I did trail running for two years, for three years. And then, and then I hadn't really done much until I moved to Georgia. I want to, I've always wanted to balance ultra running and Ironman training. And so I feel like so far this year, I've done a pretty good job. I want to continue to have that balance of trail running and, and triathlon training. 
and then you did your first obstacle course event. Oh my gosh. Yes. I forgot about that one. Um, again, that was a last minute thing to do. Um, I have a stepson, he's 26 years old and he's my neighbor. And so he wanted to do this thing called the savage race. And, you know, I'm like, all right, it's a trail run with some obstacles. I'm, you know, I got some strength. There's no way, you know, whatever, I'll just do what I can do. So we were in the non-competitive group. It was 31 obstacles over six miles. The trail was extremely hilly and muddy. Um, I had no expectations. I didn't know what to expect at all. And out of the 31 obstacles, I think I skipped five where there were some walls that you had to like, I couldn't even reach the wall, but you had to like jump up, grab the wall and climb over it with no stairs or anything. I'm like, I'd look at the wall. I'd be, nope. I'm not, and I would just run around and meet him <laughs> on the other side. And then, um, I'd been practicing my monkey bars for the last month, yeah. but when I actually got to the monkey bar part, they were like low to high. Mm. They got really high mm-hmm. and then they would drop down and they were a little bit too, there was actually too much for me that I practiced. But if you fell, you, you found a, an, another mud pit of water just wasn't there mentally. And I, I hung on the monkey bar and I'm like, I don't want I know I'm going to fall. Like I'm not, gonna, I don't want to do this. So I, I walked around that one. Um, and then there, there was one with rings that I actually, I could touch the floor, touch the ground. So I, I went from ring to ring, but I was walking. I'm like, I modified. So anyways, it was really fun at the time. I'm like, eh, this isn't really for me, but now that I'm done and I'm reflecting back, I'm like, okay, this was a challenge for me. I want to go back and do it again. So I can do the obstacles that I wasn't able to do before. That's what motivates me. I'm motivated by um, challenges and things. If I, So if I like fail in the definition of how I define failure, then I'm more driven mm-hmm. to want to do it again. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't do these walls. I need to I need to do a different strength training program. But I want to do it again just so I can say, okay, I can climb over a wall during this obstacle course. And just because it sounds like a Spartan thing or some sort of mud run. Yeah. Um, is there a time penalties if you skip an event, skip a obstacle? No, because we were in the non-competitive. Oh, okay. So we were in the non-competitive. Strictly for fun. Strictly for fun. But I think I could get competitive at this. It, once I know I can tag the challenge, I'm not disadvantaged by the challenges. Um, in a Spartan race, I know friends who do Spartan races. If you can't do a challenge, you have to do 30 burpees before you can move on. Mm. So I've been doing a lot of burpees also in the last month, just in case. Yeah. But there were, in this specific race, there were no officials. There was no one watching. It was on your honor system. You just did what you can do. And um, it was great. You get a medal? A new, new event. Yeah, you get a medal. See, that's what it's all about. If that, there's yeah. your wife. It's not com- com- competitive. <laughs> no, but I know I can be competitive because it's a trail run. You know, the yeah. whole trail run was fun. I got a little too muddy. Like, I really wasn't into, like, going under muddy water mm-hmm. and coming up over the top. I mean, just the, th- I mean, I just closed my eyes and did it, but yeah. then I'm like, Oh, next time maybe I'll bring goggles or maybe I'll bring earplugs, mm-hmm. make sure I have no open wounds on my body, you know, any scrapes or anything Yeah, yeah. because I didn't even think about that, but you did get muddy. And I actually had a cut, a cut up here the day before. And so when I was done with the race, I'm like, Oh, I should have kind of maybe covered that up or done something to protect mm-hmm. The scr- oh, you know, kind of a fresh wound. Anyways, 
if you want to do an obstacle course, you should do it. I could see you doing it. I could see me doing it too. But I'll also see myself going, all right, I, 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 that sucks that I couldn't do that one. I have to work on that later. And then going to something else. It's either, for me, I'd probably be good at it or terrible at it. There's probably no in between in an obstacle course for me, I believe. If I saw something like, oh crap, it's American Ninja style. I cannot do this one. I just, because I have no practice with the rings that incline or drop down or. Yeah, there's American Ninja Ninja um, obstacles. Yeah. And me, like, I don't even know. Like, I, if I go to a new triathlon race, I don't even drive the course. I don't want to, I don't care about what I'm about to experience. It's all going to be new race day. I looked at the obstacles. I saw a video yeah. online of what obstacles to expect. And I'm like, why didn't I look at this a month ago? Mm. I'd be a little more prepared, but I wasn't thinking about that. I'm like, oh, we're just going to show up and do it. And now next time I do one, I'm, I want to feel a little more confident that I can climb a wall. Yeah. Hey, you know what? Yeah. So lots to do, lots to do that bike course thing. I'm surprised that you wouldn't look at a bike course because there are some definite advantages strategically you can make if not, you don't have to drive it as much as you have to know what to expect. Even when I did uh Coeur and my friend did it for the first time, this 70.3 a couple years ago, 2019, mm-hmm. um, I knew the course already, but I also went on the topography part of it and I did the, I mapped it out on how many miles before it, it uh, goes on the incline on the hill and how long is that hill? I want to know those things before I go into it so I can pace myself and then prepare mentally for the three mile grind. Or now I, once I peak it, I have so much time to get back into a rhythm or here's where I'm going to fuel or here's where I need to let my legs relax. Mm-hmm. And there, I remember going was it Lake uh, Lake Stevens seventy point three, which I think is now no longer. Um, there are some definite areas in that 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 race in uh, North Washington, Washington State, that if you didn't know it, you would be just a slap in the face of how hard some areas were or the windiness mm-hmm. of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I was just surprised that you would you still do that now. You would not look at the. You don't have to drive the course, but you got to be familiar. No, with I mean, I, I'll look at the course profile mm-hmm. on the PDF in yeah. the participant guide, but no, I don't drive courses. Yeah, I don't drive courses. I used to early on just so I can see it. But then again, you have to drive the whole thing, you know, it's like, I don't have time to drive right. 50 miles. I don't need to do that. Right. You know, one time when I moved to Colorado, I moved to Colorado in 95 and I did the Boulder Peak Triathlon that year and Boulder Peak Triathlon has a grinder. And so the day before the race, my friend who I moved out there with, he drove me to the hill with my bike mm-hmm. just so I knew I had enough gears. And again, what could I have done? It was the day before I couldn't have changed anything, but the confidence of is I can get up this hill. Yeah. I have the proper gears to get up. It was old stage hill. That was what it's called. Mm. And, um, that's the only time I've ever done something like that. And I recommend it. I mean, like I recommended to athletes I coached who were going to St. George, if they could ride up snow Canyon, just have someone drive you to snow Canyon and ride up that four mile stretch just to know mentally know what it's about. And, but, and in, okay. In Kona, whenever I go to Kona, I do like to ride the Javi section. It's about, a round trip. It's about 25 miles up and back where I park. I like to do that when I go to Kona as a refresher, just, you know, the, all the headwind, the tailwinds and the crosswinds, headwinds. Mm-hmm. I, I like to just experience that in Kona because I don't experience that mm-hmm. ever in training. That just brought back a memory. I don't know what year it was. 
could have been 10, 11, or 12. Um, again, working for Iron Man, Greg Welch and I drove out. We were doing a, a, a video, and I was shooting the video for him, of uh, certain sections of the bike course and what to expect in certain areas. And we made like three or four stops, and he would get out, and he'd do a little stand-up, a little interview, and a little talking point and record it. But it was, it was just bring, bring back the memories of driving, you know, just me and him, down this is the 1994 Ironman world champion and just a, a legend in the sport and still commentating now of hearing his perspective having done he had done that course so many times in Kona and like here's here's where this is going this here's what happens here or here's what happens there or his little stories of when he would race against a, a certain pro athlete it's like oh my gosh i'm i'm living here with a, a i'm driving with a living legend uh just casually driving down, mm-hmm. you know, where there's Javi or these certain headwinds. And it's like, oh, my God. And he's the, he's the coolest down-to-earth guy. And I just mm-hmm. – I found recently – I was talking to an old friend online recently. I was looking at some old pictures. 2009, I have a picture with uh, Greg Welch when I was working for the local TV station here. And I was going to report on the uh, Ironman Coeur d'Alene. And he was there because he was commentating and announcing – and I got my picture taken with him. And then just so many years later, I'm actually side by side with him on a broadcast. It's just kind of cool how it all can come full circle of who you meet and how cool it was. I'm there with, you know, young face, 2008, 2009 with Greg Welch. And, and then three years later, we're co-hosting the Ironman World Championship at Ironman Live. I'm getting goosebumps thinking about that. I miss those days. Well, that just reminded me. So I do Boulder Peak my first race in Colorado, it was a pretty epic race. And then in 95, and then I go to Kona in 1997 and Dave Scott was there signing people's yes. race shirts. Uh-huh. So I got my 1995 Boulder peak triathlon race shirt. It's the best shirt ever. Cause it's like a caricature of a guy running with his bike up the hill. Yeah. Well, I got Dave Scott in 1997 to sign that shirt. <laughs> and he, and just he was pretty, the- he had the, he, he returned in 1994 and I think he was second place behind Greg Welch. That was yeah. one of his return races to Kona. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have a picture. So of him. that was just one of my cool moments of having Dave Scott. I really probably didn't really know really much about him at the time. Uh-huh. I just knew he was a legend and an Ironman legend. And so he was doing autographs. So he signed my shirt. Mm-hmm. I wish I would have framed that t-shirt. It's just the coolest <laughs> thing in the world. Yeah. Those guys are, those guys are pretty, fairly accessible. Uh, and now, and if you know who they are, when you walk around Kona, I mean, they're just, they're royalty when they're just yeah. lava java having a drink. And next thing you know, you sit next to, you know, Dave Scott or Mark Allen. It's Mark weird. Allen. It's so strange. Yeah. I know. Just regular guys. You would, I mean, that's the cool thing about that, our sport in the pro levels that these people are just, just like us. I mean, mm-hmm. they're not super tall, not super big. They're just regular people that happen to be really good at exercise. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, and again, the, the, the label of being pro, you know, yes, yeah. you have to be at a certain level and you have to have certain qualifications to be pro, but, um, it's just awesome. I'd like thinking about it. Blast from the past. Yeah. All right, Wendy, we have gone way over. Could make this two, two episodes. We'll just make it, make it one and we'll schedule, still plan on doing another episode next week and we'll try to make it one hour. But uh, we want to encourage you to send us your questions because this is all about you, um, the multi-sport community, sharing our experience with you and learning from you and sharing your stories and, and education with the rest of us. So with that, oh, let me, what's my signature out? Uh, for Wendy Mater, I'm Dave Erickson. Have a great week of training. 
racing or recovery. That's what it was, right? Recovery. Mm -hmm. We'll see you back here next time on the Endurance Hour. Adios. Adios. Mm -hmm.